When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I have an episode for you that was requested by a listener, and I'm very excited to get into it. But first, let's get started with our In the News segment. Big news story of the past seven days. It was a very interesting week for Kennedy News because President Biden spoke at the John F. Kennedy Library very recently on the 60th anniversary of the delivery of JFK's moonshot speech. And Biden's cancer moonshot speech, which outlined his plans to end cancer as we know it in the U.S., was, according to the White House, inspired in its ambition by President Kennedy's speech. So go take a listen to it. Very interesting. You can find it anywhere online. Now for our inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. As we know, Queen Elizabeth II sadly passed away. So in honor of her, I'm going to insert a couple clips from when she unveiled the JFK Memorial in Runnymede on May 14th, 1965. The first clip will be her sharing the memorial, and the second one is her making some remarks honoring President Kennedy. So take a listen. Yeah, at Runnymede, 750 years ago, Magna Carta was signed. Among our earliest statutes, it has rightly been regarded as the cornerstone of those liberties which later became enshrined in our system of democratic government under the rule of law. This is a part of the heritage which the people of the United States of America share with us. Therefore, it is altogether fitting that this should be the site of Britain's memorial the late President John F. Kennedy. This acre of English soil is now bequeathed in perpetuity to the American people in memory of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, who in death my people still mourn and whom in life they loved and admired. Together with his family had many ties with our country. He and they lived among us in that doom-laden period which led up to the outbreak of war. The experience of those days led him to write, when still a young man, a most perceptive analysis of the predicament in which Britain found herself. Ever after, he maintained a deep and steady interest in the affairs of this nation whose history and literature he knew and loved so well. His elder brother, flying from these shores on a hazardous mission, was killed in our common struggle against the evil forces of a cruel tyranny. A dearly loved sister lies buried in an English churchyard. Bonds like these cannot be broken, and his abiding affection for Britain engendered an equal response from this side of the Atlantic. The unprecedented intensity of that wave of grief 
mixed with something akin to despair, which swept over our people at the news of President Kennedy's assassination, was a measure of the extent to which we recognized what he had already accomplished and of the high hopes that rode with him in a future that was not to be. And for our recommendation segment... Of course, then we would uh, recommend it. In honor of Queen Elizabeth, I'm going to recommend a beautiful book by Town & Country called The Queen and It's Her Life in Pictures. So I'll put a direct link to purchase in the description of this episode. Okay, let's get into our episode. Today we are going to talk about Jacqueline Kennedy being a Francophile. And if you're like, what is that? The definition is a person who is fond of or greatly admires France or the French. Like I said, this was a listener suggestion, and I thought it was really cool. Um, it'd be something really interesting to look into, and it proved to be. So today's sources are Ancestry, Vogue, Britannica, Best of Life Online, History, Arlington Cemetery, JFK Library, French American Culture, White House History, BBC, and George Towner. Let's get started. So to begin with, Jackie was one-eighth French, and her maiden name, obviously, is Bouvier, which is a French name, and it means herdsman. Jacqueline is also a French-given name, which means May God Protect. She started out by studying French at Vassar College in New York before spending her junior year studying at the Sorbonne in Paris. When she was reflecting on her experience, she actually wrote, I loved it more than any year of my life. I came home glad to start in here again, but with a love for Europe that I'm afraid will never leave me. She finally graduated from George Washington University with a Bachelor of Arts degree in French literature. Now, I'm going to interject a little bit and talk about my trip to Paris very recently. We got to travel around Europe a little bit. It was so much fun. We went for work, and we started out in Switzerland, and we were there just a little bit of time, but that was beautiful and amazing. And then we went to Rome for a few days, and that was beautiful, and we also got to go to Paris. So while I was in Paris, if you followed me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty, you saw me make a post where I kind of took a few photos and stuff of places where Jackie had been, like I made a point to find the exact spot in Versailles where she stood when she visited and took a picture there. I took a picture of where she lived while she studied abroad too. So that was pretty cool. I didn't get to visit. I wanted to eat dinner at Maxim's, which was she and Aristotle Onassis' favorite restaurant in Paris. And it was closed because of the holiday. So I did find a store and I took a picture there though. Anyway, that's just my little interjection of Paris. And I completely understand how you could fall in love with European culture and French art and architecture and history and everything because even the three days that I was there, it was just a whirlwind of beauty. So I completely understand. But back to Jackie. So she had the opportunity to spend half a year working for Vogue because she won the Prix de Paris contest, but she turned the opportunity down because her mom didn't want her to leave the country because she was afraid that she would never come back to the U.S. Like, that's how strong of a pull it had on Jackie. Now, as we know, Jackie could speak four languages. Four. <laughs> uh, she spoke French, English, obviously, Spanish, and Italian. So her knowing all these languages was obviously very useful to JFK, too, not only politically, but also because she was able to use her knowledge of the French language to translate books on Southeast Asia. And obviously, as we know, she did deliver speeches on his behalf in French-speaking areas. I'm going to insert a clip here of her speaking French just so you can hear it. This is Jackie discussing a reception that she hosted for foreign exchange students at the White House. So take a listen. Voici la Maison Blanche. Je suppose que cette réception de 2000 étudiants étrangers fait partie de vos obligations de présidente. En avez-vous beaucoup Oui, 
Oui, mais vous savez, les obligations sont souvent des plaisirs, comme aujourd'hui les étudiants étrangers. Ça m'intéresse beaucoup. J'en étais une. Oui, vous-même étiez. Parfois. Merci beaucoup. Merci, monsieur. So Jackie couldn't get enough of France, so much so that she even introduced a French chef into the White House. And as we've spoken about before, it was in June of 1961 when President and Jackie Kennedy were invited by President Charles de Gaulle to attend a tour and state dinner of the Palace of Versailles, which, wow, can we just talk about Versailles for a second? (laughs) It's so beautiful in every way. Jeffrey and I got a golf cart and drove around the gardens and oh my goodness, I can't wait to go back. It was just so beautiful. So when they visited Versailles, this was actually the first time that an American president had been traveling to France for an official visit since 1919, which is when Woodrow Wilson had visited the country. President de Gaulle was very impressed with Jackie. He even said once that she knew more about French history than any French woman during a conversation that he had with JFK. But Jackie actually had previously considered de Gaulle to be like a hero of hers. She didn't really, after meeting him, replicate those feelings of admiration because she referred to him as an egomaniac who was full of spite in her audio tapes, which you guys know I love the audio tapes. So I'm going to insert a clip of her and Arthur Schlesinger Jr. chatting a little bit about de Gaulle. Yeah, I wish, uh, oh, I wish I'd given him a wristwatch with a tape recorder in it or something, because if you could hear him explaining de Gaulle to me and what de Gaulle's objectives were and why he was so bitter, and I mean, his analysis of that man, de Gaulle was my hero when I, um, you know, sort of married Jack, and he really sunk down, because I think he was so full of spite, and that's what Jack never was. And he always would say, uh, I suppose women are terribly emotional and you want to never speak to anyone again who said something mean against your husband. But uh, Jack would always say, you must always leave the way open for conciliation. You know, everything changes so in politics. Your friends are your enemies next week and vice versa. Why was the call your hero? He wasn't really my hero, but I sort of loved all that prose of some of his memoirs and thought this man who stayed away in the gloomy forest and came marching back. You know, being rather francophile. And, um, you know, just a vague sort of... I agree. I, th- I thought, you know, at the funeral that he was... Well, in spite of all the mischief he has made, will made, will make an immensely touching and charming figure. Yeah, of course, he has two sides to him. That's what Jack would always say. You know, nobody's all black or all white. And he did, uh, you know, realize what Jack was. I think he just felt guilty. I don't know. I mean, such a fine, you know, he realized who Jack was. And that's why he came to the funeral. And, you know, I think that was, you know, an effort. He didn't need to do that. And very famously, during their state visit to Paris, JFK referred to himself as the man who accompanied Jacqueline Kennedy to Paris. And I'm going to insert that clip right here. I do not uh, think it altogether inappropriate to introduce myself to this audience. I am the man who accompanied Jacqueline Kennedy uh, to Paris, and I've enjoyed it. Now, when he did this, this obviously showed how very admired she was in France. The crowds would all chant, Vive Jackie, as she drove past. But she ended up kind of like 
changed her mind a little bit and had kind of similar feelings to the French population that she did towards de Gaulle. She said in her tapes that she loathed them and that they were not very nice. I don't think that takes away from the fact that she greatly appreciated their art and culture and fashion and everything. She still very much loved all those aspects of France. Now, let's remember, too, though, during the 1960 campaign for the presidency, Jackie got quite a bit of criticism for being unpatriotic due to her love for French couture. In order to suppress those criticisms, Joe Sr. hired Ole Cassini, who we had an episode on recently. If you've not listened to that one, go back and listen. And he was an American designer and Jackie's so-called secretary of style. Cassini would design couture pieces, which were often replicas of pieces designed by European fashion houses, which I, I think I talked about that in the episode, but just a little reminder there. However, during the state dinner at the Palace of Versailles, Jackie did wear a genuine Givenchy dress, which in doing that, she was able to express her appreciation for French artistry and culture. During their visit to Paris in 1961, Jackie was able to build a really strong rapport with the French Minister of Cultural Affairs, which was André Mauru. And it was with him that she negotiated the temporary transfer of the Mona Lisa from the Louvre to the U.S. during dinner at the White House. This is huge, guys. I mean, huge. And it was displayed in D.C. and New York City in 1963. And there it was visited by two million people. I got to see the Mona Lisa in person at the Louvre. Not gonna lie thought it was going to be bigger. I think that's a common thing that people think when they go. It's beautiful though, but I don't know why. In movies and stuff, I've always thought it would be like a a huge painting and that was not the case at all. It's not small, but it's just not how big I thought it would be. But it was absolutely beautiful and really surreal to see in person. So as we've learned today, Jackie truly did love Paris and France in general in all kinds of ways, and she made it very known throughout her entire life as a girl all the way up through her adulthood, and she visited Paris in 1994, just before she died, which makes France one of the last places that she ever visited. Thank you so much to the listener who suggested this episode. I thought it was really interesting to put together all these components of Jackie's history um, in one place, because I feel like a lot of these facts are scattered around, but putting it all together shows how she developed such a love of French culture and how she became such a Francophile. I hope this sparks a little travel bug in you or makes you want to go research some more. That's all I've got today. I'm taking a really exciting trip next week. I'm not gonna lie. I got an invite that I was pretty excited for and I can't wait to fill you guys in. I will be posting about it on my Instagram while I'm there too. So make sure you're following me. I feel like I plug my Instagram so much, but that's just where I'm so active. Make sure that you follow me there because it's gonna be pretty cool and I'm very stoked. Make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter so you don't miss all the things happening at Kennedy Dynasty. Guys, Tis the season. It's sweatshirt season, and I've got some good ones in the shop. So go get some Kennedy Dynasty merch. My favorite sweatshirt is a Kennedy compound design that I made a while back. I think it's really vintage feeling, and I think it's really cool. So go check it out and buy you a sweatshirt. It's a great way to support the show. Another way to support the show and me in general is to please rate the show five stars and write a positive written review if you haven't already. That helps enormously. And also, it's just a really good boost when I get on there and read how you guys feel about the show. I've cried over some of your reviews before like the good ones so thank you so much for the time that you take to uh, leave me a message or send me a dm i really feel like i'm forgetting something that i was supposed to tell you guys it's gone oh well i'll remember i'll remember and tell you next week uh hope you have a great week and i'll talk to you soon come on and vote for kennedy vote for kennedy keep america strong kennedy he just keeps rolling up Rolling up, Kennedy, he just keeps rolling along.
Around 10,000 BCE, families and tribes of the ancestors to the people of Britain would arrive in the southern part of the island after crossing from land that bridged from Europe. The Welsh built houses, communities, kingdoms, and continued to survive through Romans, Saxons, Danes, and Normans. The language and culture influenced by these sources continued to change and thrive, becoming ancient and modern at the same time. Join me as we travel through the history, meeting the kings, queens, nobles, and everyday people that create and grew modern Wales from the seeds of the ancient past. Creo so, and welcome to the Welsh History Podcast.